I don't know that there's any real correlation between the regular season and the playoffs. I think it's just entirely different. Uh, so I think that's the first thing. But, you know, we, we've had a mixed bag here at, at home ice. We, we've had we've had probably two of the best games we've played, uh, you know, of the playoffs here in this building. Game, game two in both series, I thought, were really good. All right, there's Sheldon Keefe. It's the Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, the Fan at Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. We are getting set for Game 5 down at Scotiabank Arena. Toronto Maple Leafs, Florida Panthers, uh, a place in which the Leafs only have uh, one victory in the postseason so far, despite the fact that they're already into the second round. Let's talk to Ren Olivois of TVA Sports, who is in the building. How's it going, Ren? Uh, I'm pretty good. It's going to be an interesting night, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it's going to be uh, very interesting. All right, you, you've seen yeah. some cu- some comebacks. Um, we've all seen some three zero comebacks. We've seen plenty of three one comebacks. Does does yeah. this series and what you've seen through four games fit the bill for a comeback? No doubts in my mind. To be honest with you, when uh, game uh, three was done, uh, in my mind, I said to myself, "There's no way it's going to end in four. And actually, uh, I believe it, it, there's a good chance that it's going to. And probably, I don't know, in seventh. And why I'm saying that is because if you look at advanced stats, um, you look at the way the Panthers are playing. I don't want to say that they're lucky. It's not, you know, you they're not lucky. They're a good team, okay, that's playing really, really well right now. Probably they're playing their best hockey of the season. And the confidence level is through the roof. Okay, but if you look at the advanced stats, um, they are uh, taking advantage of having Sergey Bobrovsky playing really good hockey right now, and that's for me is the big difference. If you look at game two and three, the Toronto Maple Leafs hit five posts. Okay, if you look at game three, it's two one for Toronto, and Carter Verigi score a goal with his uh, bottom cheek, okay? So I looked at it, and I'm not saying they didn't deserve to be 3 nothing, but it could have been go either way. Honestly, the Leafs weren't that far away from winning uh, at least one of the three games there. And after that, what happened last game? Well, you know what? The hockey gods decided that it was about time for Toronto to get a break. And I look at that first goal, that William Nylander goal, where it hits the, you know, the, the skate of the referee in the corner, and suddenly the puck jumped in front of Nylander, and he's scoring that goal. For me, that's the difference. That's how tight it is right now between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. If someone is saying to me that Toronto was never close of winning, that round, I can have a, a, a long discussion about, well, you know what? Sometimes you need to be lucky. Uh, Patrick Wall was always saying, better be lucky than good. <laughs> and, and I feel like right now that's what the that's you know, if you look at the advantage, the Panthers, they have um, some kind of advantage there, but uh, it, it can turn quickly. And, Ren, you mentioned a part of that advantage in whether it's luck or just the way things bounce has been Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, we can expect him to maybe come back to earth. At the other side of things, the, the Leafs have yeah. gotten a 
pretty good performance at a, at a Joe Wall in game four and in relief uh, in game three. What have you liked out of the Leafs rookies stepping into this biggest situation? Well, look at Ilya Sansonov, and I'm, I don't want to throw rocks to, to Ilya because I think he, he did a, a really good job, but he's moving a lot in front of his net, right? And that's never a good sign. The, the, the team, the players don't like to have a, uh, a goalie in front of them that's moving uh, way too much. Uh, they, they, they like a square type of goaltender that's uh, sending a message that he's confident about his game, uh, about the way he plays, that he's calm. And that's what I see with uh, Joseph right now. Uh, in my mind, nothing is, um, you know, there, there's nothing to, like, he looks like a goalie who's been around the league for the last, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 years. He's really calm. And, I, you know, I had a little chat with him this morning. Uh, you, you see that, you know, He's the type of goalie, kind of old school. He's dialed in in the morning. He, he, and, and the morning skates are really important. You want to send a message to your teammates that you're ready. You're ready to battle, that you're the man. And that's what I see right now with him. Yeah. No, he, he seems really, really calm, really, uh, really collected. And, and, I mean, the results have followed, especially in the AHL and in his brief time in the National Hockey League. Um, it'd be... Interesting to see if he's able to carry the results over to uh, home ice, where, as I mentioned, it's been a struggle for the Leafs this postseason. Just one win on home ice, and that was game two against Tampa Bay. Uh, one in four, they're, they're, they're staying at a hotel instead of their own homes now that they're, they've returned back to Canada here. Ren, I know it's, it's been a postseason where the road team has succeeded more than any other. But what do you make of this? And, and listen, you, you cover a Montreal Canadiens team that deals with the same thing as far as the media scrutiny and, and the intense pressure that exists in the home market. Do you think that plays into the fact that the Leafs have, have had difficulty scoring on home or, or winning on home ice this postseason? That's a great question. You know what? It, it's tough to understand why the Leafs are not winning more games at home, especially they were so good during the regular season. But like... Uh, Sheldon Keith mentioned there's a big difference between the regular season and the full season, and this is a good example. Um, and and it, it, you know, I, I don't want to throw rocks here again, but let, let's be honest, okay? It would, it would be fun if um, suddenly Toronto is winning a one nothing in the third period, and I don't know, um, the Panthers equalize with a goal and there's 10 minutes left instead of being upset with that goal why don't you stand up why don't you why don't you 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 cheer for your team why don't you you send a message to the toronto maple leafs that hey we're behind you guys and we know that you can do it i i think the crowd in a way and and i'm not saying the crowd is responsible here of the lack of success but but let's be honest, John Cooper mentioned in the first round that he can take advantage of the Toronto Maple Leaf crowd to help his team win games. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I look at what uh, Paul Maurice said today, he said the pressure is different in Toronto than here for us in, in, uh, in Florida. And, I mean, pressure is part of a... Probably the reason why, um, you know, the team is not 
performing as well at, here at, in Toronto. But I, I, I do believe, I do believe that the fans can be the difference here. And hopefully one day, if it's not tonight, maybe it's going to be game seven. I don't know. But hopefully we're going to see it one day. Uh, before we let you go, Ren, we know you got to run, but uh, I was just, again, looking at your, the video you shot of Matthew Nyes on the ice today. Yeah. Uh, he was already ruled out for the game. He will not play in game five tonight, but, like, do you think it's it's possible that this guy gets into a game six if we see one? Uh, you know what? That's going to be tricky, right? Because if there's a game six, six that means that the Maple Leafs are advancing, right, that they're that they're winning tonight's game. You want to really change your lineup, but if there's one injured player, just one player, he's in. No doubt in my mind, I feel that guy is ready. And, uh, you know, he, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs miss uh, Matthew Nice. He's a really, really good hockey player. And I believe that um, the, the minute that he'll jump in, he, he can easily, um, you know, help this team uh, playing against seven or even winning this uh, second round. We'll see. Ren, uh, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks so much. Thanks to you. Enjoy the, this one. It's going to be a, a fun one. Take yeah. care. See ya. Ren Olivois, TVA Sports. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think the Maple Leafs are doing the, the Michael Bunting thing where no. if they win, uh, like if Matthew and I is ready to go, he's good to go. Yeah. And I will say if it was a concussion and nobody's, it's an upper body, right? Ilya Samson, upper no, body. No, nice is a concussion. It's con- that's right. been confirmed. Okay, well, the fact he that was he was in the protocol. That's right. The fact that he is skating means that he's out of the protocol. Right. Well, it, the the way the protocol works is you have to show that you're symptom free after several levels of progression. So, like, you could skate I mean, today, then he, he'd probably do a full non contact practice tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and, and then I think he could, like, technically he's in the protocol until he's cleared for uh, a game. It's just because these things are so up and down. Yeah. You gotta see how you respond to the the physical intensity. And- so my my assumption then that he had been cleared from the protocol you don't believe is correct like the fact that well, he's no, on the I, ice like I, the language of the protocol is that he has to go through a skate and then be symptom free and then you know i believe there's a, a level of you have to go through a non-contact practice as well um i might be mixing my wordings with the nba and the nhl concussion protocols mm-hmm. which are both just half enforced anyway yeah um, but yes you're supposed to yet at each stage you you get the okay to progress to the next stage mm-hmm. then you see how you respond and make sure no symptoms set in because you know that's the first time you've had your heart rate up the first time you've been moving and stuff like that um there's not really uh an all clear when you're just like sitting around doing nothing yeah it's funny to talk about the protocols for a guy who has a concussion who took another shift after he was concussed yeah. in, in the in the hockey game i, I mean know- that's how it works sometimes right like the <laughs> One of the most difficult things about uh, enforcing a concussion protocol and, and even diagnosing something like that is like the symptoms can be onset. Way I had one once where like it was like four or five days before I felt any symptoms, really? and then I was at this was before I was in never this had career, a concussion, um, and I was just like sitting at my desk and like couldn't focus on really my computer screen uh, and like got a really bad headache. And then um, when I went, so I the place I worked had like a medical facility. Uh, at that point, I went down there and they were like, have you like hit your head recently and all? I was like, I took a pretty bad spill like in a hockey game last week. Oh, wow. And they were like, you are showing like a lot of signs of having a concussion. And then it ended up being that there were like, I think it was like five or six days where I like couldn't be on screens and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. Now I've, I had had a couple prior to that. So I don't know if. How many concussions have you had? Four, I think. Oh. Um, yeah. 
That, that doesn't sound so good. That's why my head's so big. It just keeps <laughs> it really is. Keeps... No, <laughs> I no, don't realize that was swell permanently. Oh my after goodness! Come on. Um, by the way, in terms of the Leafs' uh, home thing, them being one and four mm-hmm. at home right now, they're nine and sixteen in this like core four era at home too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, overall, it's, like it's, it's not it's not just isolated this year. They were eight and twelve at home coming into this year. Well, that's what I wanted to get to because Ren raised an interesting point about um, fan engagement in in pro sports, which is something that I, I think is, is a pretty clear um, point of demarcation when it comes to fans who watch pro sports in this country as opposed to the United States. Just I'm, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I will say that you go to like a Bills game, it doesn't matter. Like The Bills go down 14 nothing. Like The f- fans don't shut up. Like it's, It never ends, right? Like there, there's a proactive approach to cheering on your team in certain markets that does not exist. Like just factually does not exist with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And and I'm not I'm not fan shaming anyone here because no, like I, we all I, understand I the that, anxiety that exists within this fan base, and rightly so. And, and I, I don't know that football and European football are necessarily the most. Well, okay, so talk about uh, like, hockey. Like, like the NFL, you get eight home games, maybe nine sure, in a season. Okay, right? we'll talk about some of the American hockey markets, right? Like mm-hmm. I I I notice it like, and I've been to these other arenas in different circumstances where the home team is not perhaps putting forth the best effort. And you pay your money, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. I'm just saying that, that that might, he might be onto something there when it comes to being proactive. And and we saw it, remember the Red Sox? I know I keep talking about the Red Sox. When you I, love and, your Red Sox. I know, but there is a clear, yeah. There's a, Jimmy I don't know, Fallon a, a, over bit, here. a bit of a parallel. You do have late night show host hair. So I, this I, is I, why you love I, Jimmy Fallon and want to smooch the Red Sox, I guess. I, it, it's not true, but... Remember when, and this is after 2004, but David Ortiz was going through his struggles. It was like two, multiple months, and he was getting banged down the order. He was like hitting eighth or whatever. And what happened? They just kept cheering like louder and seemingly every single game with mm-hmm. each successive strikeout to try and boost. And it's easier when you're dealing with an all-time great who's won titles in your city. I get that. But there is also, yeah, there's a proactive approach to being a fan that has I haven't seen all that often in this city, and it's a different. Listen, listen, a different price range, and and the the, the people that end up at the games are, are are different than some of those other markets I'm talking about. But that might play into things. I well, don't discount the possibility. There's also an element of, I think, uh, cumulative angst or feeling in those crowds, where obviously, like especially in the first round, this Leaf crowd is. Obviously, very, very hungry for wins, but when things start going wrong, and this is what um, John Cooper talked about, is like, yeah, yes. you can kind of expect it to get more tense. And, and I use this as a pivot for a couple minutes about basketball. So we just saw the 76ers miss out on a chance to punch a ticket to the conference finals. Yeah. Uh, that series is going seven. They got booed on their home court yesterday. In game five, in a 2-2 series, the Celtics are at home and lose that game, and they got booed on their home court. Yeah. And like, you want to... I mean, the Celtics have had a lot of non-championship success over over the the yeah. recent decade or so made but the like, finals last year the 76ers fan base is like the closest oh, parallel yes. to the Leafs 100%. fan base that we have and like they're ready to like they're insane when the team yeah. is winning and the second things go bad they can flip that switch i'm not saying the Leafs fans do that because it's more of a get quiet than a yeah. than a get negative but like that Celtics 76ers series is a uh, whoever loses this series is going to get booed mercilessly at home yeah and and, and 
I know it's the second round, um, and and the Leafs had the bugaboo about winning a round. But yeah, that they're, they're, that's a Sixers team that has not made a conference championship um, in forever, uh, in, in the process has not gotten to uh, that stage. And a head coach who you've got to go back to uh okay well he hasn't done it in philly he hasn't gotten out of the second round you go back to when he was with the clippers they yeah. never got out of the second round and you could sh- he could share that with chris paul if you sure. want uh he can share it here with with i mean james harden's been past the second round but joel Embiid hasn't um and then you can take it back to when he was with boston in the like transition out of the big three uh doc rivers i believe it's nine games in a row now when with an opportunity to punch his ticket to the conference finals his teams have lost and that's over three different franchises and over like 15 15 years since whatever the celtics last won championship yeah it's not great uh james harden didn't inspire a bunch of confidence in the dying stages of that game and despite the fact that jason tatum was horrible for like the majority of the basketball game hit uh, some big threes at the end of it to force the game seven, I guess if you if you were going to buoy yourself as a Sixers fan, you would say that, yeah, you did take care of game five, which you felt like was going to be the pivotal one coming home. It's also like both of these teams, like after game five, the Celtics were talking like the season was over. Yeah. And after game six, the 76ers were doing what we know the 76ers are always going to do, throwing each other under the bus suddenly and stuff like that. Like both of these teams feel like powder kegs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally shooting five for 21 and having 19 points, but getting the win where you get all the credit. That's just Jason Tatum once again, doing a Kobe tribute. Mm. <laughs> all right. So the late game yesterday, you want to talk about uh, off season drama for the the phoenix suns uh i believe the championship favorite going into the the playoffs playoffs, certainly the favorite to come out of the western conference and they were probably neck and neck with the bucks as far as winning it all this season the bucks were summarily dismissed in the first round uh and here we go the 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 phoenix suns with kevin durant who played all of eight regular season games sent packing pretty definitively yet again in an elimination game now it wasn't whatever the 40 point loss that they suffered a season ago but it was also a 30 point deficit at halftime it was abysmal and i get it no deandre ayton and and no chris paul for the entire series like that's those are important fellas and ayton felt important yesterday when the nuggets were doing whatever they wanted in the paint but now you got like the first media availability postseason, no Devin Booker stepping to the microphone. Now they're doing like a more formalized thing tomorrow where he'll talk um, already. Like the, the the body's still warm and we've already, we've already had the leaks of Chris Paul yeah. could potentially get and traded. Aiden, is, is Monty Williams potentially, you know, going to lose his job? Monty Williams, who everyone, you know, speaks the world of, but yeah. has lost head coaching jobs before in similar situations. It's a new owner who probably wants to make his imprint. Here's the biggest thing that they, that they have to worry about. They have $159 million committed to six players under contract next year. Okay. Um, they can get out of a little bit of that. Chris Paul's deal is only guaranteed for $15.8 million. Nice. Um, so you could find a team who's willing to take him maybe and then eat this, like... There are new rules in the new CBA that that punish teams more for being below the salary floor. So the Spurs of this year, the Thunder in years past, for example, would have had a lot of restrictions placed on them. They might be willing to eat a Chris Paul of $16 million and then waive him rather than uh, guarantee the the full uh, $31 million that he's owed. But then you're facing a situation with, okay, are you sending Chris Paul somewhere else so that you don't have to pay him the extra $15 million, but then you still have 
127 million committed to then the only players you have in a contract are Katie Booker, Aiden, Landry Shamit, and Cameron Payne. Mm, like that that's not bad. enough money for cap space. No. That's so then you're trading Chris Paul to lessen the luxury tax yeah. and you're use all you have is the taxpayer mid-level yeah. to replace Chris Paul with like they're in a really really rough salary cap spot and I get it. If you can get Kevin Durant in when you are in Chris Paul's window and Devin Booker looked last night aside like a superstar throughout this playoffs, like you can't really fault them for that. But all the assets went in the KD trade. Dude. They have less than no salary cap flexibility. Like the way their crap sheet is currently constructed, my off-season primer that I do every year that's yeah. coming out, I think next week for the, for the Raptors, it would be so easy for the Phoenix Suns because it would be like, here are your six guys, everyone else minimums. Yeah, that seems bad. This is a team that just got destroyed by, again, the, 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 the top seed in the Western Conference, but you're supposed to win a title. You didn't look, and the, there were mitigating factors. But, like, you're, you're just telling us that you're not running it back with Aiden and Paul, and, and I understand it with Paul, and I also kind of understand it with Aiden, too, who's been a guy that they were loathe to give him the contract right. out of but like, the outset. You, so, so here the question then becomes, like, what are you getting for DeAndre Aiden? So Aiden has uh, three years left on his deal after this year for $102 million. DeAndre yeah. Aiton is a, a very good player, a starting caliber center, a, a lot of useful skills. He's probably not worth... 34 million a season over the next three, even if you think there's a little more upside to tap into and you have to make the salary math work. Um, So you, and and like, it's not like you can send them to say the thunder who don't have a traditional center and have all the cap space in the world because the thunder aren't going to be, well, they'll be like, yeah, we'll eat his contract. If you give him to us for free. Yeah. And then you're right back in the same spot where you have even less depth. Your cap sheets a little, a little leaner, but you don't have the the means of replacing him. So you have to find a deal for Aiden that wasn't there last summer mm-hmm. when Aiden was out looking for a free agent landing spot. And like, yeah, the Pacers were interested, um, but they then re-upped Miles Turner and they they found some stuff that worked this year. Like, I, I don't think that you can revisit that. I, I just don't know who the team is that's lining up to give you multiple pieces back that are well, rotation caliber for Aiden. Or to give you, honestly, I love Chris Paul and I, I still think he's, a good player at this stage and eating the last little bits of his salary here is probably not the end of the world. Like, like I think he's a, he's going to help your team be a lot better over the course of the regular season and in the playoffs when he's healthy, which is not a lot. Um, You know, I think we're past the point where you can play him the role of a $35 million guy. But again, even if you can find a home for him, is that home giving you back rotation caliber pieces? I don't think so. Cause it's Chris Paul at like age 36. Mm-hmm. So all of this is to say that it's yeah. a good thing you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker also. I I guess, but it wasn't enough to even win you two rounds this year. I mean, they did lose Chris Paul for four of those games and okay. eight for the clincher. All right, but we're talking about not being able to. Well, those guys are probably out and and not a equitable value yeah. coming back. So I, I I, what is the path to being better? And like the Nuggets aren't going anywhere. Nope. And like I think Jokic now that Jokic didn't win the third straight MVP, like the shackles are you can talk about him in glowing terms in the terms that he deserves now too. By the way, Jokic's career playoff numbers, thirty one thirteen and nine point seven assists on sixty three percent true shooting, which is like like nobody does that yeah. on his usage in the regular season. And he's done it for his whole playoff no. career. This is so this is fifth time in the playoffs. It's the second time to the conference finals. I know he hasn't won a ring yet. No, nope. uh, in large part because Denver's been on the climb up mm-hmm. during this time. But like 
if there was any question about whether what Jokic does, and I don't think these questions were fair necessarily, the Western Conference is very difficult. Like he's clearly able to be Nikola Jokic in the playoffs still, and, and teams cannot do much about it. Now, does that mean they're going to win the championship? It's not a, a certainty. Um, that Right now, though, they look like the most complete team in the playoffs. They look like the team that before they came to Toronto, yep. everyone was like, oh, geez, they oh, look man, like they the best team. They look so not like that at the end of the regular I know. season. But now Jamal Murray's putting up 26 yeah. while he's Blue sick. Game. Yeah. yeah. No, it's nice. No, Jokic looks amazing, and so does a lot of that team. And that's a team, you know what? They're, they're a good example for Phoenix to look at. Phoenix obviously cashed in all their chips for KD. And again, it's KD. You can't really fault it. Um, but Denver has been patient and done a really good job hitting on the extra additions at the margin as they go along. Like they've drafted pretty well. They found like they got, they landed Contavious Caldwell Pope fairly cheap. Um, even some guys who aren't playing big roles in this series, like Peyton Watson is my, my little G league baby. Christian Brown's been, been good. Um, Bruce Brown, maybe not the best contract, but another guy who fits in at the margins. Well, Phoenix is just going to have to hit on a lot of guys like that because I love the Ish Wainwright story. And I love that they have all these ex Raptors campaign, saving Lee Bismack Biombo, but like you got to find like Kevin Durant is also not going to play 82 games next year. No, he's not. Uh, yeah. Ever again. They got a lot of work to do. Um, and please stop making Mike Malone do these in-game interviews when he can't speak. Like, his voice is just shattered. Also, like, we got to stop making coaches do that in general. <laughs> like, Steve, Steve Kerr's, was it, no, not last night, the night before. Yeah. They asked they him, tonight. and he, like, did the the tongue-in-cheek, like, listed every, he did what the opposite version of what you did earlier when yeah. you were like, oh, the Leafs need to play low-event hockey and get good goaltending. He was like, we got to rebound and defend and beat them back and be good in transit. He listed, like, every single thing. He's yeah. like, same thing I say every game. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're yeah. getting nothing out of these other than the occasional, like, Honestly, wink, that's content. Better. Yeah, yeah, that's better. All right, uh, we have uh, more Toronto Maple Leafs playoff hockey tonight, which means they are running their playoff 50-50 draw Part of a great cause, help support youth across Ontario excel through sport and community engagement. Tonight's draw is currently up to $34,017. So make sure you get your tickets at 5050.mapeleafs.com. When we come back, Blue Jays also in action tonight, starting a weekend series against Alex Anthopoulos' Atlanta Braves. Uh, We'll go down to the ballpark and talk to Jeff Blair of Blair and Barker and Blue Jays Talk as the fan drive time continues. Ben Annis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360. It's Ben Annis. It's Blake Murphy. It's Toronto Maple Leafs. It's Florida Panthers. But it's the Blue Jays, and it's the Atlanta Braves as well. Down at uh, Rogers Center's Blue Jays return home after an ill-fated road trip. Jeff Blair is at Rogers Center. He's getting ready for Blue Jays talk post-game on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. He already did Blair and Barker today. Will you at, at, at any point tonight look at a screen and see a Toronto Maple Leafs game? Uh, no, we're not doing Blue Jays talk tonight, by the way. Because of the Leafs game, we're going to go right over to uh, Leafs talk. So uh, the okay. lovely and talented show, Ali, will be able to uh, put a cap on the lovely and talented 
called by the two Bens here. Mm. And uh, no, I uh, I will uh, I will not I will not be casting a glance. Jeff, as we I have no vested interest in this <laughs> this outcome. Other than that, well, we all have a vested interest in this outcome. Let's let's be honest. But uh, no, I will not be uh, watching it. I'd rather watch. Uh, Spencer Strider, to be honest. That's just me. Jeff, as weird as this sounds, we actually have to ask you to be more specific about which Bens are, are on the call. Uh, there are, there are <laughs> yeah. so many rotating yeah. through. Uh, that's a good point. There's two, there's, there are two things we have too many of at this place. One is catchers and two is Bens. No, it'll yeah. be uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith, who's so good that he needs two uh, surnames, and uh, Ben Wagner, who will be calling the game tonight. Nice. All right. They'll be calling a, a Blue Jays team that is 21 in 17. I said, coming off a pretty lousy road trip. I mean, the middle part of the road trip was awesome in Pittsburgh in a great ballpark uh, where they won three games against a uh, very much fading Pirates team. But, uh, yeah, the bread of that sandwich, not so good. Uh, losing four straight in Boston and then the two-game series sweep in Philadelphia against the Phillies. Uh, so they're one game out of last in the American League East, the best division in baseball. Question marks in the rotation and the bullpen, and they've been healthy pretty much all season long. The healthiest team in Major League Baseball. How do you evaluate the start for the Blue Jays? Uh, boy, I mean, you know, for me at least, there's there, you know, there there's been more more areas of concern as we sit here in May 12th uh, than I thought there'd be. Uh, of course, I don't think anybody thought that Alec Manoa would basically. Not have his best pitch uh, two weeks into May. I, I don't think we saw that coming. Uh, George Springer has hasn't necessarily been a passenger so far, but he certainly hasn't been an impactful player. He needs to be an impactful player on this team. And the bullpen. I mean, I I, I went into this season really excited by what I saw from Jimmy Garcia in, at the World Baseball Classic and in spring training. Really excited about the velo, and yes, I know velo isn't everything, but it is something. And um, I, I'm I've been left underwhelmed by the performance of the bullpen against really good teams. And and I mean, I've covered enough games at Fenway Park to know that weird stuff can happen at Fenway Park, and stuff can get out of control very quickly. And I'm hoping that series is just one of those Fenway Park one you know one-off things uh but uh i i i need i need further proof that it, that it's not the sign of, of of something something more drastic with this team because quite frankly um you you mentioned they're they're a healthy team they're uh they're they're a luxury tax team they haven't cut corners anywhere here they're paying a lot of players good money and uh yeah it's uh, i expected them them to be a little farther ahead than they are right now Jeff, you, you mentioned the bullpen and guys like Jimmy Garcia, Anthony Bassa are certainly the ones who have uh, underperformed the most. But I'm, I'm curious how you feel or, or where your confidence level is right now in Jordan Romano, who is among the league leaders in saves. Um, his strikeout rates up, his walk rates down, but he's also blown two saves and taken two losses. Uh, it's been a bit of a mixed bag and his 360 ERA. It's early in the season that that'll probably normalize a little bit, but it is on the high end for what we've seen from Romano. Um, what have you seen from him positive or negative so far this year? Yeah, I think like a lot of people, I would like to see the slider fastball mix uh, change a little bit. I I just flat out don't think you can survive throwing as many sliders as as he throws. I certainly don't think you can do it in the postseason. And, and I think the thing, 
Where I am with Jordan Romano is basically where I was with him last year and where I was in spring training. I think he can close for a team going to the playoffs. I, I really like the guy. I know the fans like him. You know, the, the show we get here <laughs> at the park when he comes into the game. I get all that. I, I, I need to be convinced that he could close for a team capable of going to the World Series and eventually winning it. Right now, I'm not necessarily buying that. I, I, to me, the, the biggest hinge point on this Blue Jays team is whether they have one top of the rotation starter or two. Because right now, well, they don't. They have one when he gets extra rest. That's Kevin Gossman. Uh, but yeah, he's been pretty pedestrian with 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 four days rest. And and I guess the the same is is true of of Alec Manoa. But you mentioned his best pitch. The slider has been abysmal, and it's it's one of the best pitches in all of baseball. Um, I guess everybody's trying to figure it out, but like, what is this Blue Jays team if he's just like meh or worse? They're probably meh <laughs> or yeah. worse, to be honest. Um, you know, look, there, there's, I, I think there was, there's a lot of assumptions about this team, and there were a lot of areas that I think everybody could look at and say, okay, well, you know, you might want to upgrade here, you know, you may want to strengthen here. I don't think anybody really baked in the possibility that Alec Manoa might not be really good this year, right? I think a lot of people thought, okay, maybe there's going to be a little regression, um, you know, but I don't think anybody imagined we'd get to this point where, you know, essentially people, I mean, people don't know, they don't know what the problem is. The people who are paid to know what the problem is don't seem to know what it is you know mechanically um he seemed to turn the corner in that game against the yankees he certainly looked good he looked more like the alec manoa we've seen but you know if you talk to john schneider and people they keep getting back to pitch execution pitch execution and i I don't know i mean i don't know how you i don't know how you cure that you know we we've 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 run the gamut, right? We've asked questions. Is conditioning an issue with Alec Manoa? Nobody seems to say that. At least on the record, nobody seems to say that. I mentioned mechanically. People seem to think that that's been addressed. So it really, at this point, I just think it's up to Alec Manoa, man. He's He's got to pick this up right now and run with it. Yeah, and it's not as if the, the Jays have other options to turn to anyway. I mean, Mitch White's going to make another rehab start tonight, but um, the idea that Ben and I kicked around the other day, I'm sure you and Blair and, Bar- or you and Barker have discussed it as well. They're, about the pl- they're starting 17 games in a row today and, and 30 over 31-day stretch. Um, you know, Ben had asked me, what do I think of maybe moving to a, a six-man rotation for a little bit to get Manoa and Gosman uh, those extra days of rest during this condensed stretch. Uh, it hinges a little bit on Mitch White being being capable, but what would you think of an approach like that and the trade-off to shortening the bullpen to do that? I mean, I think it's panic if you do that, from my point of view, um, especially because it's Mitch White. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not, you know, I no, I don't, I wouldn't like it at all. I mm-hmm. don't, can't imagine that that's in the works. I think we asked John Schneider today, they're just going to have to you know, they've just kind of, they realize that Kevin Gossman, that the extra day helps Kevin Gossman, and wherever you can get him that extra day, you find it somehow. But, man, I, you know, I don't think there's any world where anybody wants to see Mitch White making making a run of starts for this team, unless it's because somebody's blowing an arm out or something like mm. that. Yeah, you know, and, and Blake just mentioned it a little bit there, Jeff, that there is nobody nipping at the heels of anybody. Like, no, there's side. nobody. 
Well, None. But, but Zip. Also, the position play. Like, there's nobody. Like, outside of Spencer Horowitz is off to a nice start. And sure. we, we get it. Like, it, and I would at some point like to see if the, there's anything there. But, like, there's everybody stinks right now, right? Like, there's no Josper Zulueta. There's no Hayden Yinger that's about to step into the major. Like, why? Like, the, even Otto Lopez, who was a lock to be a performer at the minor league level, has stunk. Like, there's just nobody off to a good start in the minor leagues right now. No, and I think that I'm always. I'm always kind of leery about looking at AAA teams in May because in the case of the Buffalo team, you know, this is an excuse. I mean, weather's always an issue for that team. And guys need to play play consistently to, you know, to, to get going. But having said that, that's about as far as I'm going to go in terms of an excuse. Because, yeah, the, the, I mean, the depth the depth just isn't there. You know, the, it, there's... There isn't anybody knocking at the door. There isn't anybody you would feel comfortable bringing up to, you know, to to, to run with for four or five days. Um, I mean, frankly, Nathan Lucas is probably better than anything they've got down in AAA right now. Uh, you know, Spencer Horowitz, is, he's rebounded a little bit. Addison Barger is, you know, having having some issues. And, um, you know, it, it's there's there's just not a lot of... There's not a lot of ready depth there. I think if you talk to people in the organization and you ask them, what do you, what excites you in the minor leagues? You'll hear a lot about Vancouver and you'll hear a lot about Dunedin. None of those guys are, are, are close to being ready for the major leagues. And that's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. It's not. And, you know, those are maybe medium-term considerations. Uh, short-term, the biggest worry the Toronto Blue Jays have is they're facing – baseball's preeminent strikeout artist tonight in Spencer Strider. Uh, Jeff, I know this is a game you've been fired up for over the course of this week. Uh, number 99, getting some warm-up tosses in on our screen. Quadzilla. Yeah. Um, what do you I mean, what are you most excited? Like, obviously what he does well is pretty obvious. He strikes everyone out at like a 42-43% rate. Um, what are you most excited to for seeing him up close tonight? I mean, this is the first time I've seen him pitch in person. Um, I just, I love watching him in TV. I like the way he goes about his business. There's, he's just, I mean, there's nobody like him. There's nobody like him in baseball, the way he stands in the mound. <laughs> and, of course, the results are, the results speak for themselves. But what really kind of interests me about this is, you know, Barker asked a question to John Schneider today. And it's something that kind of, they used to talk about back in the day, how sometimes facing an elite pitcher, a good pitcher, you know, a phenomenal pitcher, sometimes can help guys get locked in. And I'm wondering if maybe seeing a guy like this who's going to be around the strike zone, yes, he's got great stuff, I wonder if maybe that won't be, and, and, and doing it at home on a Friday night, you know, the friendly confines, all that stuff, uh, boy, I'm really trying to be an optimist. Here. <laughs> yeah, I really am. Let's just forget I said that. No. that. Like I, I just looked at his like his pitch charts and where he throws. It's like, oh, the fastball gets a, an awful lot of the strike zone. Maybe, maybe even though uh, it's 97, it's like, yeah, guys are hitting under 200 and slugging under yeah. 300 against it, and that's the pitch you have way more luck against than the slider. Uh, I'm, he's, I'm searching he's for something, boys. I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to be an optimist here. I'm trying to bring some optimism to the Toronto sports scene tonight. Mm. You know, I'm trying to. Yeah. See, if it were me, I would I would want to face the bad pitcher. 
That's just me. Oh, that, yeah, so would I. That Sunday, that Sunday, though, where it's TBD because Fellas, the Braves I was are... reaching for stuff, man. I was reaching for stuff. I admit it. So, Jeff, the Braves are down to three guys in their rotation. They've got a couple on the IL. Mike Soroka, uh, the Canadian kid, is not making his return Sunday uh, in his hometown. He pitched yesterday and not particularly well at AAA. Um you know, to zoom out a little bit on where the Braves are at, and I know you you spoke to Anthopolis this week on, on the Blair and Barker show. Um, what do you make of their ability to withstand all the pitching injuries that they've had kind of longer term here and what, what should be a pretty competitive NL East? Yeah, I just think they're blessed with an unbelievable lineup. They're going to score a ton of runs. They're going to out-pitch or out-hit their pitching concerns. You know, I wonder if maybe, though, we're not getting to a point where – it's not just a matter of their their starters' injuries. Their bullpen hasn't been the best bullpen in baseball this year, and and I'm I'm going to be interested in watching the Braves over the next couple of next couple of weeks to see how they weather this because they are going to be without Freed mm. and and Kyle Wright probably till the All Star break or maybe after the All Star break. And uh, you know, as Alex Anthopoulos said the other day, when you get to the World Series and you get to the playoffs. It's all about performance. You're going to do whatever it takes to win that night. And basically what he's saying is you'll shred a dude's arm if it's going to win the World Series for you. But you can't do that in the regular season. The numbers, history suggested in the regular season, starting pitchers' innings are absolutely a determinant of success, not just in the regular season, but setting yourself up setting yourself up for the postseason. So, um, yeah, there has to be some concern there. But you know one thing about Alex if he hears that there's somebody on the market in the next two weeks, for whatever reason, uh, he'll be he'll be picking up the phone and making a call. And you know, I, I look around baseball. There, I've got to think that they're, given how bad some of the teams in this in this in this sport are right now. You know, I look at teams like Chicago. I look at teams at St. Louis. You might be able to add a guy. You might be able to add a guy that that can that can hold the fort for you a bit until you, your other guys get healthy and then slide into a fifth starter's role for you or something like that. So I'm going to keep an eye on the Braves at this point uh, going forward. But they've been aided by the fact that a lot of the, the teams in the NL East have been, tre- have been treading water as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's Alex. You know that he is not going to hesitate to pull the trigger in a deal. Jeff, enjoy the baseball game. We'll be sending you minute-by-minute updates on the hockey game, though, to keep you informed, okay? Oh, boys, you have no idea how much I'm going to appreciate that. I cannot cannot (laughs) tell you the level (laughs) of my appreciation. See you, Jeff. Enjoy baseball game. See you, boys. Take care. See ya. Jeff Blair, Blair and Barker. Blue Jays talk, but no Blue Jays talk today. No. um, I mean, the way he laid out the Braves' need uh, for interim pitching depth and and how they might be shopping right now, Mm. I don't know. Mitch White for Ronald Acuna Jr.? I think Who that, says no? I mean, they need pitchers. They need pitchers, and, and hey, they could he's just... He's already got his 470-foot homer out of the way. What's yeah. the odds he's going to do that they again? They could just slide Kevin Pillar into that spot <laughs> in the lineup in the outfield. Yeah, no uh, no sentimental start for Kevin Pillar in his return. He's played here a couple yeah, times yeah. already. He's played for every team in the Honestly, National League we, and Boston we since talk, he left here. We talked about it. Like, he actually makes sense at the back end of... The Blue Jays roster right now, like he, if he was av- available. Like if Nathan Lucas were right-handed, he'd yeah. be playing a fairly big role. Yeah, if Jordan Luplo was any good at all, <laughs> he'd be he'd be up here occasionally and had yeah. been. 
Uh, but yeah, no, Kevin Pillar yeah. would have made some sense. He's not available though. He's and a member of the Atlanta. Braves. To use an old Dwayne Caseyism, since we're saying all these ifs, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, we sure would. Um, if the Blue Jays had any kind of minor league depth, you'd feel a lot better about the potential injury that's about to come. Like we talk about the starting pitch. Do you know something I don't? Yeah, I, I do actually. The Blue Jays are going to be injured. At yeah, some but point. you made it sound like it's coming tonight. No, but it was like it's the coming. injury like, fairy. Okay, has you come might. To you. You, there is a team that is the least injured in Major League Baseball. Maybe it's the Blue Jays. Yeah. But even if that's the case, somebody's getting injured. Yeah, I, I know. Also, it's I like wouldn't Ron expect Boyd it stuff. to be like a team from the very like like start to finish, like bell to bell, no. be the least injured team. Like it's. Yeah, something will happen, but it might not be. Yeah. I mean, last year, their starting pitchers were healthy pretty much all year last year. They yeah. just weren't very good. Yeah, they were bad. And yeah, and, and I guess the, they lost Ryu, which yeah. is a big one uh, the for like year. the whole season. So, the, But That's but then fun. after that, they yeah. didn't use. I'm just like thinking in my head, like how many starters did they use? And I know they used a bunch of openers, so it, it yeah. looks different. But yeah, no, Ross Stripling emerging as a, a legitimate rotation piece was... Save the season, Yeah, basically. he didn't come up from the minor leagues, but, like, yeah, they, that there's not even, like, the... Honestly, Ricky Tiedemann is kind of a write-off for this season, and I know his injury is not significant enough that you're like, oh, he's gone for the season, but it's happening at such a point in his development, and the the results outside of the first one where everybody was losing their minds, or like, they had started to, to fade in a way, and now the injury... And the the not just working back up to to being able to pitch in minor league baseball games, but then sh- proving to this front office that you can hack it at double A and maybe t- like he's out of the the idea that you, an upper end talent arm might emerge to the major league level for this Blue Jays team is, I think it's what ten percent at at the absolute best this season. Yeah, I don't even know like like especially the the other element with Tiedemann to to what you just said is like well they're definitely gonna. S- like any idea of like hot shotting him and pushing well, the timeline. Like I would say that like yeah, a guy that throws a hundred and and maybe he can't be healthy for forever. If he maybe maybe that's the reason he does arrive. Well, and this is why you belong on a Tampa Bay Rays show where it's just uh, yeah. shred him and toss him when well, it comes to young arms. And it's you know there's been some talent evaluators who do look at his profile and say maybe not a guy that's going to have the healthiest career because you know he throws 100 miles an hour with the baseball you know yeah that's and the- i mean i think that was probably part of the accounting with you know being willing to give up nick frasso say is that as as interesting as those guys are at their peak there is like a pretty high attrition rate and a lot of them if they make it end up in the bullpen um having said that it's Way too early for that for Ricky Tiedemann. It's just, yeah, I don't think you can pencil him in to uh, your plans anytime soon. Like, honestly, the 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 prospect who might feel closest at this point is Sam Reversa, mm-hmm. which, like, he's been fine at double-A, nothing special, mm-hmm. but, like, he just turned 20. Adam Klopfenstein, I saw, was off to a nice start, too. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's back. Yeah. In pog form. I know the guy. I mean, he's still not even 23 years old. Yeah. It's just like he was a first round pick like a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. cleared rule five, which is like that. That to me was, I guess he was a third round pick, not a first round pick. But at one point he was one of their top prospects. If you're going to grab someone in the rule five draft, he's the type of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, post hype sleeper kind of thing. I mean, he's got a nice bump in the strikeout rate. I, I, I said, I got to dig in on or 
dig in. I, I don't think there's tape available of New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Again. Yeah, look at some box scores. Yeah, I got right. Buck Keeplaw <laughs> and, uh, and Douglas Fox of future Blue Jays uh, right. to see what's under the hood there. All right. Uh, tonight's Toronto Maple Leafs 50-50 draw is currently up to $39,632. To get your tickets, go to 5050.mapleleafs.com and help change the game. Time now for Last Call brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. All right, let's go to Scotiabank Arena where the Toronto Maple Leafs, again, battling for their postseason lives. Massive favorites and are going to be massive favorites. I don't know massive, but they're going to be favorites in every game the rest of the series as long as they're still alive. Um, Minus 186 tonight against the Panthers who are plus 160. Uh, Later tonight in the Seesaw series that is the Vegas Golden Knights and Edmonton Oilers, Vegas at home, underdogs plus 115 no alex petrangelo of course serving his one game suspension darnell nurse bad boy also serving his one game suspension less bad boy i we were right i guess yeah 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 <laughs> that's it doesn't feel good we we cracked the code yeah. of player safety shenanigans yeah the wheel of justice uh vegas plus 115 edmonton minus 134 blue jays at home against quadzilla uh Plus 135, you don't see Blue Jays uh, at home, underdogs all that often, but Atlanta's real good, and as Jeff Blair mentioned, pretty uh, half-decent lineup. Uh, minus and 159. Honestly, if it weren't for the Rays having the start they have, the Braves would probably be the talk of baseball for yeah. just how unbelievable their offense has been. Yep. Yeah, it has. They're without two starters, but it uh, doesn't matter tonight because the, I Spencer said offense. Yeah, <laughs> I said is, offense. is real good. And then uh, NBA playoffs. The uh, Miami Heat, another chance to knock off the Knicks. Gets very, well, obviously, it gets very interesting. It goes to a game seven. But uh, MSG, uh, the Heat are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Lakers, three-and-a-half-point favorites trying to close out the dubs yet again. And that was Last Call, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. All eyes on the Heat. Uh, heat culture. Can future Raptors head coach Chris Quinn get the <laughs> Heat to the conference finals? <laughs> All right, so next... We do the show. We'll be on a Monday, either after the conclusion of the Toronto Maple Leaf season or in anticipation of a Game 7. What do you think is going to happen here? I, I know what I would like to happen, and it's <laughs> to be in anticipation of a Game 7. So let's just put that out there. All right. Uh, we'll see. Have a great weekend, everybody. Fan drive time. Sports at 590 The Fan and Sports at 360. See ya.